the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to another edition of The Ride Home with John and Kathy, live from the Salem-Pittsburgh studios. And now, here are your hosts, John Hall and Kathy Emmons. It is us. Welcome. We are happy here to be with you, a Thursday edition, the stay-at-home edition continuing to be. Yes. Kath, good to see you. Thank you, John. Happy to be here on this uh, kind of muggy day. I'm going to see that you're wearing beach paraphernalia. I am. Mm -hmm. I am. I was excited here. There we go. Kath has a yeah. t-shirt on that says beach. Uh, I was just, yeah, for those of you listening on the radio. Right. I was excited today at the prospect uh, that some people are going to beaches. And so I decided to wear a mm-hmm. shirt that says beach on it, even though I'm not going there. Some people are going to beaches. I read this the other day in one of the papers, and it said that um, as people are renting beach houses, there's an unusual uptick in extended stays. Like some people are going to rent a beach house for a month or more. <laughs> That's my dream. That's what I want to do. Are you kidding me? Yeah. Wouldn't it be nice like to rent a beach house for three months, right? Yes. You go down there like, how about four months? June, July, August, September. Could I do that? Could oh I my do that? gosh. Would that be fabulous? Four months Who are all the these beach? people that are able to do that? You know how people are, Kath. You I don't know, know how people. people. No, I don't know how people are. I would like to know how those people are and how I can become one of them. Yes. It'd be nice to go to the beach for four oh. months. All right. Would you grow weary of the beach for, for four months? No, no. I don't think so. Either. I would never grow weary of the beach. Never. <laughs> but speaking of looking for peaceful places and instead being stuck where you are, Zoom and all of its all of the uh, associated uh, meeting platforms have completely taken over work life in America. Am I exaggerating? Yes, no, no, no. Of course. And we love right. Zoom. We're broadcasting on Zoom through Zoom right now. Sure, it's Facebook. fine. If you'd like to watch the program, you can. We're on Facebook, one hundred one point five Word FM, or the Ride Home with John and Kathy. Zoom has been terrific for us to work with. I mean, well, we love really, radio. We right? really, yeah, we do love radio. We've really enjoyed it, and Zoom has made it really easy. And it's made it easy not just for us, but for tens of millions of people, right, yeah. who are working this way. However, there is something, John, which is called, quote, Zoom fatigue. Oh, I am sure. Mm-hmm. Okay, now wait. Yesterday, we were talking to our psychiatrist friend, Dr. Kurt Thompson. Yes. He said at the end of the phone call, he was so exhausted by doing this because therapists, right, psychiatrists, whatever, they're meeting all their clients on Zoom right. all day, every day. Right. That'd make you, that'd make you crazy. Yeah. Seriously. Well, what, so I guess the question is, why does it make us crazy? Because first off, you have to be thankful for it because it's giving us a way to visually interact. It's giving us a way to maintain our work, those of us who are able to work from home. So we're still able to get a paycheck. We're still able to do something valuable and contribute to either a company or a family or sure. to our community at large. So we're super grateful for it. But Love it. what is it about it that makes us so tired? That's the question that this article in the Wall Street Journal is asking by Betsy Morris. Why Please does it make me. us so tired? Does it make you tired? 
it may, well, yeah, I, I think when I'm done with it all, I have to like sort of close my eyes yes. and, and rest for a few yes. minutes mm-hmm. yeah. because it feels as though you're, you're zooming. It's, I think it's well-named. You're zooming into something. It's sort of a, a, an energy sucker. Right. So this is what the um, this is what the article says. Uh, this is a quote by Jeremy Baylinson, who's a professor and director of Stanford University's Virtual Human Interaction Lab. John. <laughs> the Virtual Human Interaction Lab. This is what he says. Okay. We humans have evolved to get meaning out of the flick of an eye. Our species has survived because we can produce those signals, really tiny ones, really minute ones in a way that's meaningful, right? But Zoom and, you know, Google Meeting or wherever it is you're, you're using smothers you with, with cues and they're not synchronous. So it can take a physiological toll. So, you know, we often, you know, there are like blips and blaps and you start and there, there might be a stutter or whatever. Well, your mind is trying so hard to fill in those blanks. And also, you know, our um, our communication, the three of us on a daily basis has been almost seamless. We've really had a wonderful time, but we're only seeing like one third of each other, right? And so the other cues that we get from hands or the way we move or the way we sit or stand or whatever, all of that is completely gone. And so our minds, John, apparently are trying to fill all that in. Really? So, so without me realizing it, as you talk to me on Zoom, I'm trying to fill in all of the things you would normally do if I was with you that would make what you're saying to me make sense. <laughs> That's weird. I really like it a lot. Isn't okay, that exhausting? So, no, I often wonder about this. Now, you and Mike and I, we, because we've worked together for years, we know each other really well. And of course, so I think we know, uh, you know our tics, our positive points, our negative points. But what about if you're on Zoom with people that you don't necessarily know really right. well? That's got to change things. I think that would ramp up the anxiety mm-hmm. or, you know, all the things that you're talking about. I think it would too. Listen, I've been on two meetings with people I didn't know since this all started. Yeah. And, or people that, I, there were several people in the meeting I didn't know and a couple that I kind of knew. It is really mm. odd because you, I realized that with this one person who I'd never met, I was like absurdly focused on him <laughs> out of, there were like, you know, 12 of, you know, there were 12 oh, faces in there. Something I was absurdly the focused on this person that I didn't know. And I, and why? Like, I think I was just so desperately trying to figure out like, who is he? Like, what is, yeah. do I, what is. I did the same thing did when you? that was going. Oh, yes, I did. I had the same sort of experience. People that I kind of knew and a couple of people I did not know at all. And one person, uh, obsession is a really good word because I was obsessed with this person's nose. <laughs> and I don't know why. I was like, that's, is that, at first I was repelled by the nose. Towards the end of the phone call, I was convinced it was a beautiful nose. But I think I missed most of the Zoom meeting because all it was was about a nose for me. That's all. I just had to talk about the nose That's in my so mind. Weird. Now, you know that wouldn't have been the case if you were in the room with this person. <laughs> Maybe. I don't know. Probably I mean, not, I, though. Probably not. Probably not. You probably would have been focused on a lot of other things because yeah. you also have a whole room of things going on. Right? Yeah, yeah. I'm looking Another around. Thing, listen to this. Another thing that the article of the Wall Street Journal talks about is that when you go into a conference room for a meeting, people have different spots in the room mm-hmm. based on kind of their level sure, sure. I or know my their spot. Or whatever, or, you know, whatever, you know, those cues that humans, you know, pick up on and decide how people are, you know, and 
Zoom doesn't have any of that. Mm-mm. So no, there's everybody's no. got a a, uh, a square, and the only way you get the first square is if you show up first, oh, right? Yeah. So there's no. So so this article was talking about whether that's going to really mess with the way that humans think about power relationships in the workplace, mm. because the person in charge is not necess- does not have At a the place of, of prominence. Oh, I really right? like that it's a lot. Because uh-huh. there is no place of prominence. And then they were talking about whether not having a place of prominence is causing like a little bit of a leadership vacuum because no one knows quite who's in charge because everybody, it looks like we're egalitarian. Oh, that's really good. Oh, so Zoom is the great equalizer in some way. It is the great equalizer. And but I think the crux of the article, if I'm reading it correctly, is that the reason it's so exhausting yeah. is because we it's new to us mm-hmm. and we're trying to figure out what all these things mean. And they're in the back of our head like the nose was for you. Right. While right. at the same time, we're trying to do what we're supposed to be doing on Zoom. So I, I wonder, like for kids, like for a new generation, and when you look at like a Zoom screen, which looks just like any other television screen, there's four corners. But if you bring a kid who has no history or preconceived ex- expectations of what this thing is all about, you know, has not watched thousands of hours of movies and televisions and, and they create themselves within this space, what creativity will come from mm, this? Yeah. I mean, so, there yeah. might be a whole level of communication or style or imagery, all sorts of unseen things that are yet to come forth. Well, you know that's going to happen. I mean, well, simply because humans are so creative and adaptable. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. So especially a kid, like you're saying, you know that some kid is going to come up with something epically oh, crazy. fascinating and we're going to feel like, you know, wow, right. why didn't I think of that? Okay, so I wonder. So, what, what presuppose there was no Zoom, okay. and everybody just met over, you know, like an old-fashioned phone call on a conference, a conference call. Right. Would that? How would that change things? I wonder if there's been a percentage of people who kind of go, "We don't like Zoom. We're just going to go back to a conference call and just hear voices instead of voices and and imagery." I wonder well, about that. You know, I I was just reading an article that, you know, an industry insider article, and and I believe you guys were in on the conversation um, because it was one of our bosses that sent it it to us. But one of the things I was saying is that visual interaction over the last 30 days online is down, Mm -hmm. but radio and podcasting is up. Because yep. people are experiencing this type of fatigue mm-hmm. when it comes to looking at a computer screen, especially those of us that have to do it for a job. And so when it comes to your free time, you think, wow, I just want to close my eyes and listen to something. Yeah, that's really good. And I don't want to watch Netflix or Prime or whatever else is out there. I mean, I might anyway, want to watch Netflix. Approach. All that to say, we are streaming. We are. So if you want to see us, you can. But we still prefer the um, the, the mother house of radio, yes. 101.5 Word FM. Mm-hmm. So we're looking forward to a terrific show today. In this hour, Jerry Boyer, one of our favorite guests, one of our dearest friends is going to be with us. We're going to talk about the interaction between church and state and what Jesus had to say to the mask wearers. Hmm. All right. Stick around for that. We'll take a quick break. Step away. Uh, in the meantime, you want to be part of the conversation and uh, chime in on Facebook. Please do so. Otherwise, email John Hall at wordfm.com, Kathy wordfm.com.
WORD, the station with Pittsburgh's favorite Christian music every weekend. With the best new music. New New music. New music from Francesca Battistelli. This could change everything. This could change everything. Over and over by Riley Clemens. Danny Gokey, Love God, Love People. Cause it all comes down to this, love God and love people. The best new music and Pittsburgh's favorites. Brought to you by Trinity Jewelers and Dennis Spira and Associates. 101.5 WORD. On the weekend. Eric Metax is here. Like you, I'm confined to my home, spending time with my family. And one thing we enjoy right now is watching uplifting movies that affirm our faith. But what's there to watch? Well, I have the answer. Introducing Patterns of Evidence, The Exodus, a documentary that explores convincing evidence that the biblical account of the Exodus is true. Investigative filmmaker Tim Mahoney journeyed to Egypt, Israel, and throughout the world to search for answers to one very important question. Did the stories like Exodus, as written in the Bible, really happen? And the results of his investigation are monumental. Right now, you can watch Patterns of Evidence, The Exodus at Home. Go to PatternsofEvidence.com. That's PatternsofEvidence.com. And immediately following the movie, a panel moderated by Gretchen Carlson and featuring Dennis Prager and Graham Lotz and me, yours truly, will provide further insight and commentary on the film. Watch Patterns of Evidence, The Exodus, and others in the series. Go to PatternsofEvidence.com. That's PatternsofEvidence.com. Greater Pittsburgh Plumbing, Heating, and Cooling, a partner you can trust in times of need, featuring 24-hour emergency service. From plumbing, heating, cooling, and trenchless sewer repairs, Greater Pittsburgh Plumbing, Heating, and Cooling has been a trusted name for over 35 years when it comes to helping you solve household problems and concerns. Visit greaterpghplumbing.com or call 412-223-2560. Greater Pittsburgh Plumbing, Heating, and Cooling at greaterpghplumbing.com. You know, spring cleaning doesn't just mean the deep clean you do around the house once a year. You may want to do some tidying up for your business's digital marketing, and Salem Surround can help. We give you all the right tools to surround your target audience and turn website visitors into website leads. Contact Salem Surround for a free evaluation of your digital presence and learn how to get your advertising message in front of today's consumers. Learn more at surroundpittsburgh.com. Surroundpittsburgh.com. Connecting you with new customers. Washington County parents, you have a choice in your child's education. For nearly 40 years, Central Christian Academy in Houston is where pre-K through 8th grade students receive the comprehensive education they need to become top of the class. Learn more at ccaschool.com. I get this warm feeling every single time we have special needs patients in our office. Their needs are not that different from anybody else. Spending the time with that patient is very rewarding to me. Exceptional dentistry meets compassionate care at stockfamilydentistry.com. Jerry Boyer is back with us. Jerry is a regular monthly guest on our show. Jerry is the editor of Town Hall Finance. He also uh, writes uh, daily almost uh, Salem editorials, which are fascinating. If you listen to Word FM on a regular basis, no doubt you've heard Jerry's editorials. Uh, Jerry, welcome back to the show. How are you today, sir? I'm fine. Uh, always great to be with you. Is Kathy there, too? Here I am, Jerry. Hey, Kathy. How are you? I'm well. I'm very interested in a bunch of these topics that we're going to talk about today, Jerry. Um, And I always appreciate hearing your perspective, as do all of our listeners. So let's start with this. Um, Big crowd events. You know, John and I are experiencing emotional desperation brought on by lack of baseball. 
Mm-hmm. And um, so that's, of course, the number one thing on my mind. But, you know, my, my daughter's graduating from high school on Saturday. Usually she'd be graduating in a stadium filled with, you know, a thousand people. And instead, we're going to be in a absolutely empty stadium with nine other families at a time. And it's going to take six hours for the graduating class to graduate because there's going to be nobody there. So how do we think about this, Jer? What, what, what are the considerations and, and what's on your mind? Well, I think you've laid out one of the considerations quite well already. There is a social and a cultural cost uh, to not having these gatherings. Um, So I've written about the economic cost, and the economic cost is pretty minimal. Um, Yeah, baseball's great, but, you know, the U.S. economy doesn't run on baseball, Um, and it doesn't even run on football, right? Um, These big crowd events um, hold us together. They're a kind of a civic glue. In the case of church, they're spiritual glue. Um, uh, in the case of recovery programs, they can be really important to our quality of life, I mean, even whether we continue to live. But in terms of economics, they don't amount to much because people are always saying, well, how can we ever come back from this until we have a vaccine and there'll always be a fear? And how can they ever open everything back up? Well, I think probably they'll open up big crowd events last. And, you know, we don't have to wreck the economy if we do that. Um, we might, you know, it might be weird to watch baseball on, you know, on TV instead of being at the, at the ballpark. But uh, in terms of keeping our economy going and growing, those things don't really pack a big economic punch. Hmm. So all the concerts, all that stuff, Jerry, you're saying that'll be the last thing to come into, into focus. I, I think that it is, that's the kind of thing that I think policymakers would be most hesitant about. Um, in other words, is the president is saying, hey, Fauci, you know, uh, hey, Dr. Burks, uh, you, know, what, you know, what can we open up? I think they're going to say big crowds last and probably also things like nail salons, um, you know, um, because you're there for a long time when you get your mani-pedi. I haven't had one. I don't know, but I think you're there for a long time and you're close together. So those kinds of things, they're not really big economically. Now, I've got people who work, at, you know, in those jobs and it's really terrible that they've been put out of work uh, and we ought to make them whole. It's not their fault. But the kind of thing that is naturally a kind of dangerous in terms of big crowds and disease transmission generally doesn't, they don't tend to be the things that really drive the U S economy. Manufacturing is like a seventh of our economy. Finance is like another seventh of our economy, professional services, right? So these things right there between those three were at more, you know, really half of our economy, these things like um, uh, concerts, sporting events, parks, recreation, you add all of those up, all of those things, um, and they're about 1% of our economy. If they went away entirely, it would be a 1% loss. And they haven't gone away entirely. They just will probably have more social distancing. So, Jerry, but the weird thing is, though, right, emotionally, um, people need these somehow, that they they enrich our lives to the point of, you know, wanting us to drive us to places like that. They give us great pleasure. There's information. There's a lot of joy there. And there's so, a whole what, there's a whole sector of the marketplace that surrounds them, right? Bars, restaurants, that sort of thing. That's right. Bars and restaurants, you add them together, and maybe you're at another half a percent or a percent of the economy. Um, so all of that, it doesn't really add up to much. These aren't big value added businesses. 
Um, again, they have a certain social cohesion. I'm not against them. I'm not trying to diminish them. I, I grew up in that. But when I was a little boy, I was basically raised by my grandparents, the Boyer Bar and Grill. Uh, you know, they, we lived upstairs from the Bar and Grill. So I understand that these watering holes are socially very important, but um, the economies don't rise and fall with them. Hmm. I see. Okay, okay so, so do you have, go ahead. Go ahead, Ken. Well, I'm just asking what economies do rise and fall on. You mentioned manufacturing. Yeah. Yeah, manufacturing is a biggie, um, and uh, finance is a biggie. We, you know, New York, we, the United States is really the financial capital of the world. Uh, information technology is quite big as well. These are the big value-added items. Um, the things, uh, retail is yeah, about 3%, but retail hasn't gone away entirely. A lot of it's just gone online or with delivery, so we don't have zero retail now. I think we had like a 16% decline in retail when the sh- shutdown was at its worst. Um, so, you know, that means that, you know, a lot, most, most retail stayed, even when we stopped shopping, some of it got accelerated. Um, so, you know, I I guess here's my point is the nature of the economy is such that we can take reasonable precautions, um, and still have a reasonably strong economy while we're, while we're Mm. kind of working through this. We don't have to, we don't have these stark trade-offs between shut everything down kill the economy or start up the economy and kill a bunch of vulnerable people in their 80s with diabetes. That's not the choice. We can weigh things and trade them off against one another and optimize the, the, the opening up process. All right. So then next week, or I saw in the paper today that Rich Fitzgerald said he doesn't have any intel about this. Our, our county executive has no intel from the Wolf administration about when they may open to the green, to the, you know, the full level of openness. But he's saying he thinks it may be in a couple of weeks. So if that's the case, yeah. in a couple of weeks, that everything would open. What's the primary thing? I mean, that, that, you know, that drives the economy. It's important for us all to have a paycheck and, you know, make sure our kids are fed and our, and our mortgages are paid. Yeah. And I'm having a little trouble understanding um, Rich Fitzgerald, who I know and I like, but, you know, we have a really flat curve in Allegheny County. You don't have to be a COVID denialist to say, hey, wait a minute. Why are we so slow to open up here? Um, we have very little transmission. We're getting very few new cases. Uh, so maybe we're a little bit too much on the caution side about the disease and less on the caution side about our social health and our economy. Um, so that, you know, that having been said, yeah, probably things like, I mean, schools are important, um, right? Because schools, let's say primary schools instead of college, they are to some degree daycare centers. So it's hard for parents to be productive if they've got primary school kids at home. So I get yeah. the argument for opening up schools. That has an economic impact, not because primary schools in themselves are a big economic driver. I mean, if they do their job, then 20 years from now, they'll be drivers because people know how to read and cipher, you know, because they went to primary school. So that's a long-term investment. But in the short run, it, you know, basically the economic effect is that mom and dad can focus on working from home rather than focus on you know, taking care of the little one. So I think opening up of schools makes sense. But, you know, we have a lot of things around here, a lot of things like down at the point where there's a lot of primary colors and they're playing classic or oldies music and there's blaring music and there's frying a lot of things and people are crowded together, whatever, the regatta, the arts festival and whatever. Those things are wonderful. I like to go to those things, but our economy will not collapse if we don't do some of those loudspeaker, big crowd at the point of events. It's a social cost. It's really not a big macroeconomic cost. 
Jerry Boyer is our guest, editor of Town Hall Finance. Jerry, tell us then about how, you know, the world of finance, it's a world that you understand well. Talk about how that's been impacted as far as the day-to-day work of people who are in that career path. So is that, are people working at home? How are people impacted now? Yeah, people who work in finance have a lot more ability to work from home. Uh, most of them have already, you know, already have some kind of work from home situation. So there's a real class divide here. If you're a high school graduate or a high school dropout, the probability you can work from home is a whole lot less than if you've gone to graduate school. Professionals, and I think this is one reason why people who are knowledge workers and in the professions have been a little insensitive to the cost of the shutdown. They still get their Amazon deliveries. Blue Apron is still showing up for them, right? Uh, But somebody who's working in retail or cutting hair, you know, they don't work from home. They can't cut hair from home. So I think there's been a little bit of a sense of the people who who have disproportionate influence, expert class, knowledge workers, professionals, maybe aren't feeling the pain so much, so they're not really weighing this thing properly. I've noticed there's a real class divide about who wants to open up and who wants to say shut down. Because, you know, if you're a lawyer and watching legal brief, you're writing legal briefs, or you're writing code, if you're, you know, in programming, you're a financial person, you might be, you know, working at 95% of the capacity you had before. Personally, I'm, I'm very fortunate. I'm probably working at about 110 or 120% because I don't have so many meetings <laughs> right. taking up my time. I'm getting more done. But that doesn't mean I shouldn't count the cost. I shouldn't feel, bear, bear along, uh, 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 one another, one another, for my Christian brothers and sisters and non-Christians who aren't able to work from home because they work with their hands. Um, so we need to count that. And when we're deciding when to open up, we shouldn't just look at things from the standpoint of the kind of people who write journalistic articles that influence the debate about when to open up, but also feel from people who maybe aren't heard from as much. Mm-hmm. Jerry Boyes with us, editor of Town Hall Finance. We need to step away for just a minute. When we come back, we're going to talk about what Jesus says about mask wearers. Stick around. It's the Ride Home with John and Kathy here on 101.5 Word FM. Hi, this is Jay Farner, CEO of Rocket Mortgage. Making the right financial decisions has never been more important. We can help guide you to those right decisions now when they matter most. Mortgage rates are near historic lows. So when you call 8338-ROCKET or visit us at rocketmortgage.com to start your refinance, you'll be well on your way to saving money every month. The rate today on our 30-year fixed rate mortgage is 3.375%, APR 3.59%. Right now could be a great time for you to take some positive financial steps forward with a cash-out refinance from Rocket Mortgage, which could give you the boost that you're looking for. In addition, we may be able to help you refinance with little or no out-of-pocket costs. At Rocket Mortgage, we're committed to every client, every time, no exceptions, no excuses, giving you the best mortgage experience. Call us today at 8338-ROCKET or go to rocketmortgage.com to learn more. Rates subject to change. Pay 1.875% fee to receive this discounted rate. Call for cost information and conditions. Equal housing lender. License in all 50 states. NMLS number 3030. Greater Pittsburgh Plumbing, Heating, and Cooling. A partner you can trust in times of need. Featuring 24-hour emergency service. From plumbing, heating, cooling, and trenchless sewer repairs, Greater Pittsburgh Plumbing, Heating, and Cooling has been a trusted name for over 35 years when it comes to helping you solve household 
household problems and concerns. Visit greaterpghplumbing.com or call 412-223-2560. Greater Pittsburgh Plumbing, Heating and Cooling at greaterpghplumbing.com. Do you or your business have financial problems? Are you overwhelmed with debt? Then call me, Attorney Dennis Spire at 412-471-7675. My legal practice concentrates on bankruptcy law, debtor rights, and tax matters. I have over 30 years experience as a former United States Department of Justice bankruptcy attorney and lawyer in private practice. I have represented thousands of cases faced with financial problems and lawsuits. Reorganize and get a fresh start. Call 412-471-7675 or visit my website at DennisSpira.com. Chris Katolka here from the Friends of Israel Today radio program. And earlier this year, President Trump laid out a new Israeli-Palestinian peace plan that was different from any other Middle East peace plan offer before, leaving many people to wonder whose land is it anyway? The Jewish people want it. The Arabs want it. Well, the booklet Whose Land Is It Anyway? from the Friends of Israel will leave you with a clear, concise answer to who owns that land. You can get your copy today by giving a gift of any amount by going to foiradio.org That's foiradio.org It's easier to change the world than you think. Sponsor a child in extreme poverty with Compassion International and you will change the world for that child. Just text the word CHILD to 83393 to sponsor right now. Ask Alexa to play the word Pittsburgh to hear us there. We're on your Google speaker too. Plus iHeart, tune in and on radio.com. 101.5 WORDFM, Pittsburgh. Tonight, some clouds, warm and humid with a thunderstorm late and a low 66. Tomorrow, a couple of thunderstorms around, some severe, mainly later. Humid with considerable cloudiness. Thunderstorms can bring damaging winds with a high 78. Saturday, sun and clouds with a high 71. With your AccuWeather forecast, I'm Gregory Patrick. We're talking big crowds and their economic uh, contribution. We're also talking masks. Jerry Boyer is with us, editor of Town Hall Finance. But, Jerry, before we move forward, we've got a slight detour. Yeah. Well, I want to go back to what you were saying about economic cost, because you also mentioned that there was a cultural cost to cutting things like baseball and concerts and gathering outside and, you know, regatta and uh, art uh, festival and all that sort of thing. Um, right. So one of our listeners just weighed in and she didn't, I don't think fully appreciate the scope of what you were saying, but she said all the things that your guest is naming that quote, don't impact our economy are things that are dear to the American way of life. How dare he says Jackie. Um, so she, yeah, I, so I, talk, I, 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 so what she's, sorry, first sorry. of all, you've made one of our guests mad Second, <laughs> or one of our listeners mad. One? You think it's just one? Uh, I I wish that I just made one of your, see, you can't talk about these things, right? I can say over and over and over again, there's a huge social cost. There's a terrible social cost. There's a really big social cost, but there's not an economic cost. And all they hear is you hate regatta and baseball. You hate America. You're attacking something I love. And it's the same on the other side. And that's why we can't make decisions as a culture, as a nation, because we can't even hear each other. I mean, well, you know, what, what's this Sunday in the church calendar? Pentecost. Ascension. Pentecost. Yeah. yeah, right? So I think I have that right. I hope I do. Right, Pentecost yep. Sunday. It's, it's about a world where nobody could understand one another in the Tower of Babel. 
they, they, they would talk, but they couldn't hear. And when no one could understand one another, everything scatters. And then the Holy Spirit comes, and people who previously couldn't understand one another now can hear, even though someone's speaking in a different language. Boy, do we need Pentecost now, because we can't talk. We can't have a conversation about masks or about baseball or about anything without the how dare he. Um, and it sounds like I'm mad. I'm not, I'm not mad at Jackie. I'm mad at the spirit that doesn't allow us to hear each other. Let me tell you a story. Okay, let me tell you what I think about this shutdown I'm at an emotional level. Now, some of what I'm about to tell you are lies because you have to protect people. So I was taught by my pastoral mentor that you have to change things, okay? Um, not changing anything material. But there's a woman who's a friend of mine who was dealing with severe emotional problems, um, and she was in a church-related recovery group. And the church-related recovery group was shut down by the orders of the state and by the orders of the church. Yes. And this, this woman didn't go to recovery anymore, um, and you didn't get that face-to-face contact and instead started going on Twitter and, you know, just kind of living on social media and being angry. And after about a couple of weeks, um, she took a gun and shot herself. Um, she didn't kill herself, but she shot herself. Um, and that's, man, that is a real cost to shut down. I am not ignoring the cost to shut down, but I'm an economist and people are terrified about we're going to destroy the economy and our economy is going to collapse. And I'm just trying to apply wisdom to people's irrational fear that COVID is destining us to a two year depression. It isn't. All I'm trying to do is exercise biblical discernment. But when people are upset, they don't want to be talked out of being upset. So if they're too afraid of the COVID, then they don't want to be talked into even a partial open up. If they're too afraid of the shutdown, then they don't want to be talked to because God weighs things, right? God's a weigher. So you have to have, uh, you have, to have a scale, and there's one thing on one side of the scale, and there's one thing on the other side of the scale. But instead, man tends to just go to one side of the scale and push. And I'm just trying to take a God's point of view and weigh things in terms of their impact rather than trigger people. But everyone's, I, I didn't choose that word intentionally, but everyone's got, everyone's got their finger on the trigger already all the time. And we have to get our fingers off the trigger and start to hear each other Pentecost fashion. Hmm. Got it. Oh, Would that right, be so? so? Yeah, would that be so? So it's a perfect segue to get into the mask conversation, because talk about two groups of people talking past each other. I mean, Jerry, so so let's bring some sensibility to it. So we've got one group of people who are saying, look, we know how this virus works and medical professionals are telling us that we can limit the spread of the disease and we can get out more if we wear a mask. And then we have another sector of society who's saying, look, this is just a symbol of government overreach. This is someone trying to tell me what to do with myself. This is another symbol of the fact that I, as a working class person, have been kept down in America. And so I'm just not going to do it. So how do we possibly see past? First of all, have I laid out the conflict well, Um, Jerry? How do you see us possibly talking enough to get past it? Well, we have to distinguish between the symbol and the reality. One is a prudential question. 
do masks help, you know, prevent spread? And it's not a zero or 100%. It's not a, they don't matter at all, or it's not a, they matter perfectly and you can go, you know, you can go swimming in bat soup and you'll be okay so long as you wear a mask. It's not like that. It's about percentages. Best analysis I've seen is that it cuts spread by about 70%. That's a lot. You know, that really makes a difference. But people aren't talking about that because God has wired us for faces, right? I mean, even before there's humanity, there's the face of the firmament, there's the face of the deep, there's the face of the ground. God breathes breath into the face of Adam, into the nostrils of Adam. Cain's face falls. We need faces, we're wired for faces. So if someone tells you to cover your face up, we're going to feel that as more than just a health precaution. And if somebody uncovers their face, see, there's all these emotional and spiritual levels. And we're talking at that level rather than just making a kind of a prudential decision, which is, hey, well, this, can I love my neighbor by wearing a mask? It, what, does it help me to love my neighbor by wearing a mask when I'm in a crowd? I think yes. it does. And so I wear one. I don't care about government edicts. You know, I don't really care so much what the government says. I think it's a sensible thing to do. Do I wear a mask when I go bike riding on the trail? No, because there's, a lot, there's not a lot of social contact. Do I wear a mask when I'm in Costco? Yes, I wear a mask when I'm in Costco. Or do I wear a mask in church? Yes, I wear a mask in church. I don't wear a mask, for, I don't wear a mask when I mow my lawn. Can we get to wisdom instead of everything being mm. this this mask wearing, yes. Jesus says hypocrites, which is literally hypocrites, um, people, they're mask wearers. In ancient Greek um, plays, people wore masks. Mm -hmm. Jesus grew up near Sepphoris where they had a, a place for plays. They had a theater there. So Jesus was aware of theater and mask. And I think when Jesus says someone's a hypocrite, he's saying more than they're not following the standards. He's saying they're part of a play. So we're all part of a play in the do wear a mask or don't wear a mask. Am I a good little citizen who listens to the science? That's one mask. Or am I a rugged individualist who isn't going to be told what to do? That's another mask. I, forget all, forget the play. Just think about love of God and love of neighbor. And then prudentially apply that with the idea that you're supposed to love God and you're supposed to love your neighbor and even love yourself. And then make that your decision-making criterion rather than a statement about who you are. Very good. That's I perfect. think that's that's so good, Jerry. Now, let me, you know, I've thought about this. I think, John, you and I were talking about this yesterday um, because it is a sensitive issue and none of us are happy about wearing masks. I mean, when you go out to, you know, I was at Woolies a couple of days ago and I was having yeah. a nice conversation with somebody, except they couldn't tell that I was laughing because, yeah. you know, it was loud in there and they couldn't see my mouth. And so it just, it really does mess up communication. It's not warm. It makes you feel very isolated. And um, so I get all of that. But I think that maybe setting also has something to do with it. Um, if we understood the setting better, maybe if we understood more of what was going into it. Be, and I, I say this because if I was laying on a table waiting to go into the OR and the surgeon came in with a mask on, I would not see it as him being impersonal or him right. being authoritarian or anything like that. I would recognize because of the setting why he was wearing it. Yes. And you could see it as being professional, yes. right? You could even see it and as considerate. Love. Yes. Um, I wouldn't want to see a surgeon come in without a mask. Um, so we're in a situation that's a little bit like that surgery situation. We're in a pandemic. I don't want to exaggerate it, nor do I want to under-exaggerate it. Pretty big, 100,000 people are dead. Uh, that looks to me like that's about, you know, four or five times your standard flu, and it's not done yet. 
Um, then again, it wasn't the zombie apocalypse of, you know, 20 million Americans dead or whatever that some of the experts were talking about. And that's part of the problem because sometimes experts exaggerate. Then sometimes we respond. We talked about the boy who cried wolf, right? The boy cries wolf and the boy gets hurt, but the whole village gets hurt because actually there might be a wolf and nobody listens and the flock gets eaten. So this is one of these situations where we can't hear one another and we don't have an honest process for weighing things. The church Hmm. Okay. Okay. So uh, it looks as though we've we've lost Jerry. Uh, there's been a sort of a power surge or something uh, unbeknownst to us, and we apologize for that, of course, because he's fascinating. Uh, and what he has to say to me, I, to, whenever we speak with Jerry, Jerry to me is j- always just the voice of reason. Mm-hmm. I don't see him, you know, railing against those who refuse to wear masks, but he's speaking of masks in a very biblical perspective. Yeah. Right. And let me, and let me tell you this, John, I feel like I've been talking too much. I, I, oh, I just, I've, I've read a lot of what Jerry has written over the last couple of weeks and this mask thing in particular, he's really helped. He's really helped me to see this in, in a different way. Um, he did bring up the fact that in a lot of cultures, and so our understanding um, is based on what we see in photographs or what we know about friends who live overseas is that people who are, there are a lot of people who are forced to wear masks, especially women in, uh, in cultures where they're subjugated. And so it makes us uncomfortable. So I think we have to allow for each other to be uncomfortable with it without Without looking down on people who don't want to wear a mask and say, well, you're so, you know, you're, you're, you're stupid, you're simple, you're unlearned and you're resistant to what we all think is right. I mean, Kath, I think of my own self. I remember years ago, you'd see someone, you know, you'd look at photographs or videos or films of people, you know, in Beijing, and because the air pollution so bad, they're all wearing masks. Yeah, right. And I would think to myself, how odd. I really I wish right. that, you know, people wouldn't do that. But then the other day, I was in Home Depot, and it was choked full of people, and I was like, thank God everybody's wearing a mask. Right. So it's depending upon what you get used to and what circumstance you find yourself in the midst of is applicable to the mask or not. Yeah. We should break. Yeah. Okay. Let's do it. All right. Uh, we've been talking with Jerry Boyer. Uh, we get a little transmission trouble, but we'll step away for a few minutes. It's the ride home with John and Kathy here on Word FM. Stick around. We'll be back in a few minutes. WORD. Perhaps your family is in crisis today. Maybe you're struggling with illness or wondering how you'll pay the bills. When life hits hard or simply when everyday hassles wear you down, how do you find peace and even joy that doesn't depend on your circumstances? Tune in for pure encouragement as John MacArthur examines the Beatitudes here on Grace to You. Tomorrow morning at 7 on 101.5 WORD. This is Kathy Emmons. John and I are grateful for the encouragement we have from all of our advertisers and especially our friends at Grove City College. Thanks to everyone at Grove City for supporting the ride home. This important message is for anyone experiencing financial hardship and owes back taxes to the IRS or has unfiled tax returns. Recent events have caused massive job layoffs and financially burdened millions. While tough times will go away, the IRS won't. At Community Tax, we're on top of evolving IRS collection policies that could make it easier to resolve tax problems and dramatically lower monthly payments. 
If you're facing a serious loss of income, you may qualify for IRS hardship programs that may lower your monthly payments or provide dramatic tax savings. For taxpayers who owe less than $250,000 and are in a payment arrangement with the IRS, new guidelines could lower your payments substantially. Community Tax has decades of experience helping taxpayers with IRS collections. So call our helpline today for your free consultation and learn what programs you qualify for. Call 800-500-5588. That's 800-500-5588. 800-500-5588. Well, these are difficult times, aren't they? Hi, it's Michael Woolworth with Bible League International, and I'm so grateful that many months ago, this station and Bible League agreed to address the other pandemic, and that's the severe shortage of Bibles available to Christians in Asia. In fact, watchdog groups will tell us that arguably this is the most difficult region of the world to live out your Christian faith, and at Bible League, we've determined that as few as one Christian in ten has a Bible. What's that mean? It means that most evangelical Christians in Asia have not been able during this pandemic to open their Bible. And read for themselves. Cast your cares on him, for he cares for you. But we've determined to do something about it through this campaign, Fan the Flame. You know, our goal is to send Bibles to 5,000 Bibleless believers in Asia, but frankly, we're far from this goal and we must wrap up soon. $5 cents a Bible. Please make your most generous gift today by calling 800 Yes Word, 800 Y E S W O R D, or give generously at wordfm.com. And God bless you for caring. I get this warm feeling every single time we have special needs patients in our office. Their needs are not that different from anybody else. Spending the time with that patient is very rewarding to me. Exceptional dentistry meets compassionate care at StockFamilyDentistry.com. We're back. We had a, a little sort of a weird blip there, but uh, Jerry Boyer is with us. Jerry's editor of Town Hall Finance. We've been talking about masks. We've been talking about social uh, distancing, social events during uh, COVID-19. And let's move on to our next subject, Kath. All right, Jerry. So the president says uh, via tweet, um, which is about one eight hundredth of his output over the last seven days, <laughs> which is <laughs> mosques, churches, synagogues are essential. So, you know, tear down the patriarchy and everybody in church go back. Um, how much should churchgoers look at being at church as, quote-unquote, essential? Um, well, if they're not essential, they shouldn't open up again. Uh, I mean, I mean if, if a church isn't essential, it shouldn't have been there in the first place. It was never designed to be a hobby or club. It was, it was always designed to be something that is absolutely necessary or something that basically is a distraction. Um, and a lot of churches won't open up again, probably. Um, and that won't just be because of the COVID. That will be because of things that have been happening over, say, a 20 or 30 year period. Um, by the way, I can't help but notice that we asked for a Pentecost and then we got a power surge. Um, so I, I, but, but we couldn't hear each other. So I guess it couldn't be a Pentecost thing anyway. So, um, does that mean we should go back to church no matter what the government says? Um, I don't think so. Um, there's a lot of Christian material about this. Christians have been thinking about this for a long time. And the general Christian consensus is that you obey the government, except when the government orders you to disobey God. But you don't just automatically disobey the government. You reason with them. You appeal to other authorities. In other words, you try to work it out. 
You don't put out a video that you, where you try to go viral where everyone's going to meet this Sunday. Um, Paul appealed to Caesar. He had situations over and over again when the temple authorities said, don't preach the gospel. What did Peter say? He didn't just rabble rouse and give a speech. We're going to do it anyway. He, he reasoned with them. He talked to them. So the, the historic Christian standard is you obey the state unless the state orders you to disobey God, but you exhaust reason and legal remedies first before you disobey. You don't just go right to rabble rousey, we're going to do whatever we, you know, whatever we think we should do. You try to turn down social tension rather than try to turn up social tension. Um, and then you do, in the end, if you've gone to the courts and you've appealed to whatever to the Justice Department and they still command you not to do something God says to do, then you disobey, you count the cost, you disobey and you pay the price. All right, Jerry, so that type of distinction, that type of nuance is exactly what we are proving ourselves incapable of. And I think that's the problem. Um, I, I just think that people are reacting in an emotional way without really stepping back and saying, now, wait, there is there are there are some areas here that require wisdom as we approach them. Yes. And, the, the, you know, the Christian tradition talks about something called prudence. Christianity is not just a matter of zeal although zeal matters, it's, but it's not zeal, but, you know, with, not after knowledge. It's zeal with knowledge. So these are prudence questions. I mean, look, the early church knew that if they were a rabble-rousey group, Rome would just come in and kill them all. They didn't want that. They wanted to be known as good citizens, so they went the extra mile. Literally, Jesus said, go the extra mile, carry the pack an extra mile. By the way, that's all political stuff. Carrying the pack is a Roman soldier grabbing a Jew off the street and saying, carry my pack. Under Roman law, I can force you to carry my pack. And what does Jesus say? Carry it two miles. Um, so that's going beyond what the law requires to show that Jesus' followers are not revolutionaries. They're revolutionary, but they're not revolutionaries. Um, and we ought yeah. to be the same yeah. way. Right. Yeah. Okay, so, Jer, uh, as the non-essential uh, will slip away, what about you personally and uh, your church? Will you be headed back anytime soon? We were there last week. Um, at St. Peter's, um, and there was social distancing, and people wore masks, and uh, Father Jake talked about that, um, and Father Jay asked me if I would preach this Sunday, Pentecost, and I plan to be there preaching, and I will have a mask on when I'm near people, but when I'm up at the front of the church, away from people, I won't wear a mask, because they'll be, you know, 20, 30 feet, you know, away, so that's reasonable. So we'll be prudential, um, and, um, I, you know, not everyone's coming back. So look, most mainline churches are so empty. They've got social, they've got social distancing automatically. I'm I'm sorry to say, you know, I mean, social, I mean, it's social distancing every week and it has been for 10 years. Uh, So a lot of them can come back, but um, you know, Father Jay's uh, taking precautions, but he's also seen the real cost, the spiritual and social cost of a complete shutdown. So he's using prudence and I'm, I'm proud of him for that. Excellent. Terrific. That's Jerry Boyer, editor of Town Hall Finance and his monthly slot on our show. Jerry, can't tell you how much we appreciate it. We always gain so much, not just from our conversations, but from your consistent, good, wise writing. Thank you. Thank you. God bless you both. pleasure. Keep up the good work. Thank you. Town Hall Finance, always worth a, a listen. Find out more about Jerry, of course, online and on Facebook. He posts regularly. Stick around. we got uh, lots more ahead. That was uh, most of the 4 o'clock hour, but we got tons. So be with us. Thinking about life insurance? Did you know in just a few minutes you can find the best price from up to 10 price competitive companies for free? 
You can with select quote. For example, George is 39. He was getting sky high quotes from other companies because he takes meds to control his blood pressure. But when I shopped around, I found him a 10 year, $500,000 policy for under $22 a month. I'm SelectQuote agent Dan Savino, and believe me, if SelectQuote isn't shopping for your life insurance, you're probably paying too much. For your free quote, call 800 494 2323. That's 800 494 2323. 800-494-2323 or go to selectquote.com Since 1985 we shop, you save Get full details on the example policy at selectquote.com slash commercials or price could vary depending on your health issuing company and other factors not available in all states Hi, this is Jay Farner, CEO of Rocket Mortgage Making the right financial decisions has never been more important We can help guide you to those right decisions now when they matter most Mortgage rates are near historic lows, so when you call 8338-ROCKET or visit us at rocketmortgage.com to start your refinance, you'll be well on your way to saving money every month. The rate today on our 30-year fixed-rate mortgage is 3.375%, APR 3.59%. Right now could be a great time for you to take some positive financial steps forward with a cash-out refinance from Rocket Mortgage, which could give you the boost that you're looking for. In addition, we may be able to help you refinance with little or no out-of-pocket costs. At Rocket Mortgage, we're committed to every client, every time, no exceptions, no excuses, giving you the best mortgage experience. Call us today at 8338-ROCKET or go to rocketmortgage.com to learn more. Rates subject to change. Pay 1.875% fee to receive this discounted rate. Call for cost information and conditions. Equal housing lender. License in all 50 states. And MLS number 3030. You're about to hear a commercial for a very unique mortgage team that has a very specific advantage that could save your family monthly and lifelong money. Two things you should know. One, we were started by a dad and his son and his wife and his sister-in-law, and we've grown to be a faith-focused mortgage team that's helping families across the U.S. We're faith and family at our core, and we don't hide it. Two, we've still stayed fairly small, on purpose. We're only about a couple dozen people, a makeup that we believe lets us truly know every person that calls. But we also have a big advantage. Our company is a direct lender, which means our company gets to use its own money and make its own decisions within its own walls, a reality that often allows us to get you a better rate, which could save you monthly and lifelong money. We are United Faith Mortgage at unitedfaithmortgage.com. United Faith Mortgage is a DBA of United Mortgage Corp. 25 Middle Park Road, Melbourne, New York. Licensed mortgage banker. For all licensing information, go to animalistconsumeraccess.org. Corporate animalist number 1330. Equal housing lender. Licensed in Alaska, Hawaii, Georgia, Massachusetts, Mississippi, Montana, North Dakota, South Dakota, or Utah. Okay, so it's a little fashion talk. I saw an article in the Wall Street Journal. Fashion stockrooms are bursting at the seams. Well, what does that mean? Now, I've been wondering about this. Okay, so the lockdown went into effect in March. And of course, you know, we're we're moving out of the winter clothing into a warm spring clothing. So all these retailers who had ordered stuff a year ago, all that things were, you know, were trucked to all the stores. And now... Here we are, almost June. More stuff is arriving, I'm sure, daily. The New York, uh, I'm sorry, the uh, Wall Street Journal says that there is a inventory high of a, 11 years. So they're not really? selling. Of course, nothing's being sold. Well, so things, things are, are stocking being sold up. online. Online. Online is a, a, apparently a pittance of what's being sold yeah. um, as far as merchandise. Oh, that would be so hard if you worked in retail. Heck yeah, oh, it would, gosh, especially I'm with so your selling clothes, right? If you right? work in retail, yeah. 
Yeah, Gosh. retailers have taken some action. They, they're saying this, when stores open, that's a big when, that the sales are going to be through the roof because they just want to get rid of the stuff that's built up. Well, bring it on. Okay, so if you're in the shopping mode, uh, we're, uh, we just talked to Jerry Boyer about that, and he said, Rich Fitzgerald, the count executive, yeah, let's go. Open this place up, man. We're right. just kind of sitting around. Right. Now, sadly, most of us don't have any money. <laughs> right. Now, wait a second. During the break, you told me that you just bought some shorts. I did. Online. There, was a, there was an online sale. It was like one of those things where I thought, because that's at the actual price. So I bought really? three pairs of shorts, and they nice. just came today. It was very exciting for me. And do they fit? They do fit. Nice. They would fit. My other ones were just not, they were too large and it wasn't working at all. See, I, so they I were bought, very comfortable. But whenever I buy clothes online, it's always a bust. Yeah. It's it kind is. of hard. More, it's this very is hard store, to buy. This is a store I normally shop at. And okay, so, so I you kind know. of, you know, I get what, what I'm, you know, what the sizing is and all of that. I see. Okay. But it would be hard if it was a store I'd never been to or mm. some random place. No, I feel good about my shorts, John. Very Three nice. Pair. Okay. Look, all right. You wearing them right now? No, I'm not. Thank you for okay. asking. All right. That's good. All right. Well, we look forward to it. So when the stores reopen, big sales headed Ooh. our way for everybody who likes to shop. Bring it on. All right. But right. when you go out, why don't you wear a mask? Yay, 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 yay. everywhere on your radio at 101.5 word fm pittsburgh at wordfm.com the word fm mobile app by heart tune in and at radio.com with srn news i'm john scott president trump this hour will sign an executive order on social media companies based on allegations that the online platforms are not politically neutral the president sharply criticized twitter for putting a fact check warning on two of his tweets this week. He complained the company is interfering in the 2020 election and is trying to silence conservative voices. The Boston Marathon has been canceled for the first time in its 124-year history. The race had been originally scheduled for April 20th before being postponed for five months because of the coronavirus pandemic. Stocks giving up an early rally and ended lower as traders fear that tensions with China could escalate again. The Dow dropped 147 points, the Nasdaq was off 43, and the S&P fell 6. This is SRN News. Eric Metaxas here. Like you, I'm confined to my home, spending time with my family, and one thing we enjoy right now is watching uplifting movies that affirm our faith. But what's there to watch? Well, I have the answer. Introducing Patterns of Evidence, The Exodus, a documentary that explores convincing evidence that the biblical account of the Exodus is true. Investigative filmmaker Tim Mahoney journeyed to Egypt, Israel, and throughout the world to search for answers to one very important question. Did the stories like Exodus, as written in the Bible, really happen? And the results of his investigation are monumental. Right now, you can watch Patterns of Evidence, The Exodus at Home. Go to PatternsofEvidence.com. That's PatternsofEvidence.com. And immediately following the movie, a panel moderated by Gretchen Carlson and featuring Dennis Prager and Graham Lotz and me, yours truly, will provide further insight and commentary on the film. Watch Patterns of Evidence, The Exodus, and others in the series. Go to PatternsofEvidence.com. That's Patterns of Evidence. 
Bible-League.com. Well, these are difficult times, aren't they? Hi, it's Michael Woolworth with Bible League International, and I'm so grateful that many months ago, this station and Bible League agreed to address the other pandemic, and that's the severe shortage of Bibles available to Christians in Asia. In fact, watchdog groups will tell us that arguably this is the most difficult region of the world to live out your Christian faith, and at Bible League, we've determined that as few as one Christian in ten has a Bible. What's that mean? It means that most evangelical Christians in Asia have not been able during this pandemic to open their Bibles and read for themselves. Cast your cares on Him, for He cares for you. But we've determined to do something about it through this campaign, Fan the Flame. You know, our goal is to send Bibles to 5,000 Bibleist believers in Asia, but frankly, we're far from this goal, and we must wrap up soon. $5 cents a Bible. Please make your most generous gift today by calling 800-YES-WORD, 800-YES-WORD, or give generously at wordfm.com. And God bless you for caring. Your employees and customers have new expectations when it comes to cleanliness. Cintas has the products and services you need to feel prepared. A trained Cintas technician can apply disinfectant and sanitizer spray to common surfaces. And we'll keep you well stocked with gloves, face masks, hand sanitizer, and disinfectant wipes, professional cleaning supplies, and PPE. Just a few ways Cintas can help you keep your business safe. Visit Cintas.com and get ready for the workday. Finding the right type of care for your loved one can be a highly emotional decision. Moving your loved one to a nursing home, rehab center, or independent care may not be necessary. XL Home Care can provide a warm, family-like environment with an XL caregiver, or you may even qualify to get paid to take care of the ones you love. To learn more, call 412-212-8950, 412-212-8950, Excel Home Care, a help-at-home company. Tonight, some clouds, warm and humid, with a thunderstorm late and a low 66. Tomorrow, a couple of thunderstorms around, some severe, mainly later. Humid with considerable cloudiness. Thunderstorms can bring damaging winds with a high 78. Saturday, sun and clouds with a high 71. With your AccuWeather forecast, I'm Gregory Patrick. Welcome to another edition of The Ride Home with John and Kathy, live from the Salem-Pittsburgh studios. And now, here are your hosts, John Hall and Kathy Emmons. Well, the original hot dog shop, The O, of course, uh, infamously, shockingly closed in April. Horribly Um, so. A combination of things. The family was just, you know, they were tired. You have to know that. And, of course, COVID-19 and the long haul and how that's going to work. So, it was, I mean, if you were, you know a pit, you know, alumni or someone who just loves good hot dogs and you spend any time in Oakland, you love the O. Oh I love gosh, the O. Are you kidding me? Me too. I ate 8 billion hamper mm-hmm. hot dogs and uh, probably like 5,000 pounds of fries. So last week, Mark Cuban, who is a Mount Lebanon native and of course, uh, well-known for most people from the TV show, The Shark, but also a billionaire, he said, hey, I've Dallas been in Mavericks. touch. Yes, the, I've been in touch with the the owners of the O, and I'd like to buy the O. I got so excited when I heard it. Oh, my God. People were, like, rejoicing. Are you kidding me? What if Mark Cuban – because they've been saying forever, hey, Mark, would you buy the Pirates? Well, the least you can do is buy the O. All right? me for crying out loud, if he's not going to buy the Pirates. 
You should buy the Pirates and then buy the O. Please, just buy them both, a two-for-one. Anyway, those good folks at PETA have chimed in. They uh, Why, Wait, the, the good folks at PETA? Yes, You mean PETA. people for the ethical treatment of animals have chopped? Exactly, Why? yes. They sent a letter today to Mark Cuban, and they have suggested that the now-closed hot dog shop in Oakland uh, will be turned into a vegan hot dog chain. Mm-hmm. They say, quote, here's, here's the letter. Dear Mark, we saw your interview on the Pat McAfee show and learned of your plans to buy Pittsburgh's original hot dog shop. If the purchase goes through, why don't you make the O vegan? As a vegetarian and an investor in multiple vegan brands on Shark Tank, you already know, I did not know that he was a, a vegan, you already know that vegan eating is delicious and healthy, saves animals, and is the single best way to fight climate change. Of course, it also makes great business sense since COVID-19 originated in the live animal market, SARS and H5N1 bird flu earlier. More people have become aware of similar conditions on factory farms and in slaughterhouses in the U.S. where extreme cruelty and crowding creates a breeding ground for pathogens that can be transmitted from other species to humans. So what do you think? Please feel free to contact me if you have any questions. We're always more than happy to help. Thanks so much. All the best. Mark Kilborn, PETA. All right. What do you think, yeah, Kathy? Just, would you do yeah. a vegan hot dog? Sure, I would do a vegan hot dog. Mike, have you had one? Ever had a vegan dog? I've never had one, and I don't think I'll, I'll ever want to have one. I'd try one. I'd be happy to try one. Try anything once. Well, Here's my question, though. It's a larger question, Sean. Hmm. Why are there so many fun killers in the world? Why yes. do you just have to be a nudge? Why? Now, okay, let me say this. I'm speaking as somebody, I don't think I've had a hot dog in five years. Oh, really? I don't oh, that's eat, right. No. Right. Don't don't Here, here's a quick story. I went to a pirate game with Kath a couple of years ago and some other friends of ours. And the guys were like, let's get hot dogs. Let's get hot sausage. We all, the three of us, the, me and my two buddies, we piled on. Kath went to the now closed PNC Park sushi bar and ordered sushi yeah, yeah. <laughs> ordered sushi at pnc it was park delicious. it was delicious and i felt good about it they're closed nobody ate it you're yeah. probably the only customer in six months i was listen Cold i went there multiple times that season and you're right it did close and it caused yeah. my heart to break uh-huh. but listen okay so i don't eat hot dogs but why i don't see it as like my mission in life to stop other people from eating hot dogs like just if it's the original hot dog shop let's not turn it into the original vegan hot dog shop if you want to offer a vegan option if you you know want yes. to do half of the food as vegan knock yeah. yourselves out but why do you have to just go into something right. and take over right right oh, well, fries are vegan right aren't, aren't fries vegan so why can't i vegan. do that you can right, do, fry, do but fries, but you'd have to be careful what oil I think you were frying it in. Oh, I'll be happy. Yeah, I'll be really careful. Give me, yep. Just give me those things. I just feel like, I mean, uh-huh. just be thankful that someone's willing to buy the O and don't try to micromanage what he's going to do with it. Now, look, Kath, yes. you know they bring up some good points. Do they not? Listen, that the reason that we don't eat a whole lot of meat, first of all, is because my husband can't eat it. But second of all, is I have a real problem with factory farming. It breaks okay. my heart. I all love right. I love animals. I don't think it's wrong to eat animals, but I think we should treat animals humanely. And most of the time, we don't. And so I don't feel right about that. So, yeah, but I, I'm still not going to go in and tell Mark Cuban what to do. No, just a suggestion. It would be nice, though, wouldn't it? My, my hope is, my prayer is that Mark and the, the owners of the O right now will come to some agreement and boom, before you know. we're. But, but listen, if the O opens back up, are you going to make a visit? Yes. 
you gonna oh, you're gonna break your hot dog fast. Well, I've never eaten a hot dog there. <laughs> what? Never. You've never had an O dog? Never, not You've one time. Never. How many never. years did you? How many years were you walking the street? What? Well, what? I lived in Oakland for like twelve years, I think. What? What? I what had, prevented listen, you from having an O dog? Sushi, because I, I, I don't. I don't. <laughs> No, O did not offer sushi. No, they did. However, not. I went in there and I had fries, like any well-respecting American would have. Yeah, that's fine. Uh, fries and a dog and no, oh, like I'll tell you what. When they bring out the small fry, which is like enough for ten people, what I can mm. really think of is, boy, I'd like something else. Yeah, no, that's I'm a doing meal. Both. It's fine. It was fine. I can't tell. You. I would get my O dog would be a chili dog with mustard and pickle. Mm. Oh my gosh! Yeah, wow. Yeah. Oh. It does sound delicious. It is very delicious. That sounds very delicious. All right. right. Now, listen, before we take a break, though, I have to tell you some good news because this has been an aggravating like little conversation about (laughs) things. It's Gladys Knight's birthday. Hey, Gladys Knight. Very nice. Gladys Knight. Love Gladys Knight. Mm -hmm. Gladys Knight is how old today? What do you think? Well, I think we talked about this a little earlier. So is she 76 today? Yes, she is. 76 years old. Correct. She's 76 today. She is every bit as oh. gorgeous as she ever was. And she is just a, a quintessential talent. Truly. She is. Yeah. Just incredible. The pips uh, were the pips younger or older than Gladys. Knight, older. Think? Older. Mm-hmm. Wonder why that was. The pips were older. Well, because usually any circumstance where there are men and women, the men are older. Really? Yes. So a casting call went out. We've got right. this young, fabulous woman right. singer, Gladys mm-hmm. Knight. Yep. And a uh, pips of a certain age. Right. Right. And And exactly what is a pip? Well, a pip is someone who is musical, has all the right moves and knows how to say woo woo at the right time. (laughs) Yeah. And take that to the bank with Gladys Knight. Right. Anyway, I wonder if there was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I wonder if there was ever any dissension among the pips like she likes me best. I can't right. imagine that the, the pips, pips would fight. I don't like, want to think that there was. I want it's to like think the seven that it dwarfs was, in a way is yeah, what I, I would think. Th- no, I want. I want to think it was just all you know, peace, love, and happiness in the pips. Well, no, no, it couldn't be because one day the pips disappeared. Well, maybe they wanted to do something else. <laughs> I don't think so. I think they were axed. I thought there was a cost-cutting move. There go the pipperoonies. I, I don't know if that's true. Pips, okay, we love can, you. remember uh, Gladys Knight singing the Star Spangled Banner at the Super Bowl? Oh. Was just that just last two year. years ago? Is it last it was, year? It was just last year, I think. That feels like it was like 50 years ago. I know. Ago. I can't, I've totally lost track of time. She Wasn't mm. she tremendous? She surely is. Yeah. I can't. If, if you are not well acquainted with Gladys Knight and her huge, gigantic, like deep collection of music, do yourself a favor and just get on YouTube tonight and just hit one after another after another. Yep. You're going to be so favor. happy. Yep. You know, tell me, tell you one more thing before we take a break. Uh, Gladys Knight, she mm. would eat a no dog. She need to know, dog, listen, Kath. I'm just saying. Listen, okay? Gladys Knight is extremely concerned about her figure. If you've seen mm-hmm. her lately, she looks terrific. She's working out and eating well. I don't think an, a hot dog is going to fit into that. Yeah, I don't know. She's virtue, virtue uh, singling, singling with her bun. Right? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> That's she all wants to fit in her dress. <laughs> Take a break. Come back. We got a big shoe, uh, the 5 o'clock hour ahead for you. Oh, we're going to talk about Adam and Eve. Were Adam and real? Eve really real? And if so, like... When was that? What? How long ago were Adam and Eve around? 101.5 WORD. 
Be listening right here when Chuck Swindoll concludes his classic series on biblical parenting. Oh man, if I could bring one thing back to the Christian family, it would be common sense. Just plain old common sense. If this planet needed anybody with good common sense, it's moms and dads. Hear the practical counsel for parents on Insight for Living with Chuck Swindoll. Tomorrow morning at 8 on 101.5 WORD. Hello, friends. It's me, Marcia, from the Spring House. We are hoping you are all healthy and safe. Our family wanted to let you know that because our cows are requiring twice-a-day milking, the Spring House is still open for you to stop by for your farm fresher from our herd milk and hot-out-of-the-oven breads and buns and meats and cheeses and cookies and anything that will make life happy and comfy and easier during these uncertain times. Our buffet is still full of family recipe lunches and suppers every day to take home to eat at your own family table. And our catering team even created a special take-and-bake meal, which you can check out online. We even ordered in extra toilet paper in case any of you are in a pinch. We've been so blessed this last week by customers thanking us for staying open and, best of all, telling us that they're praying for us. We just wanted to let you know that we are praying for all of you, too. Here's a big hug from all of us at the Spring House to you. We love you. You've already been lied to. You've already paid a ton of money to someone who did lie to you. And it's hard to come to someone like me and say, Ariel, I trust that you're going to do what's right for me. This is Chuck McDowell, founder and CEO of Wesley Financial Group, the timeshare cancellation expert. We're not just here to cancel your timeshare completely. We're here to provide you with the best customer service of your life. I deal with clients from all walks of life. I actually have a client right now who is an attorney. I have doctors. They were still taken advantage of. And it's not just the mom and pop. It's everybody faces this. They've been lied to. They are nervous. They're scared. But we're going to get you out of this. I guarantee if we take you as a client, we will cancel your timeshare contract or you'll pay nothing. My name is Ariel. I'm a resolution specialist at Wesley Financial Group. Call now for your free timeshare cancellation kit. 800-619-3377. Ah, the bull elk's bugle. One of nature's most wondrous sounds. That is not a bull elk. That's Kim. Her RV sewage tank is spewing all over her camper. Way, way out in the middle of elk country. Yep, there's an elk. And that's Kim. It's wild out there. When it gets too wild, Progressive has your RV covered. Quote today at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Were Adam and Eve really the first man and woman? And if Adam and Eve walked the earth, how long ago was that? Well, uh, back to our regular guest, uh, Joshua Swamidas. Dr. Swamidas is a scientist, a physician, associate professor of laboratory genomic medicine at Washington University in St. Louis. We first found Dr. Swamidas from his book, The Genealogical Adam and Eve, The Surprising Science of Universal Ancestry. And uh, Joshua has been joining us on a regular basis uh, for the past few months. And uh, Dr. Swamidas, welcome back. How are you? Yeah, it's uh, great to be here. Thanks for having me. Thank you. Now, Josh, the the first question I'm going to ask you, basically, you took an entire book to answer. So it's really unfair that we're going to talk about it this minutes, Josh. Way. Three minutes. Yeah. But in the next 11, you need to lay it out. Anyway, um, so Adam and Eve, were they real? two real people? 
Well, if you, if you take scripture seriously, there's nothing in science to tell us that what it tells us that they were real people isn't true. So, um, you know, if you, if you don't trust scripture or you don't think it actually teaches that, then maybe you don't believe Adam and Eve exists. But if you, if you do trust scripture and you do think it teaches that, well, maybe they did. Okay. Okay, so, so that, that it's was easy. easy in that way, right? <laughs> however, however, I've read your book and it's much longer. So let's get into this a little, a little more fully. So you now you're fully acquainted with the uh, creation wars. You know, people believe very strongly in a in a in a six day creation. People believe strongly in the fact that Darwinian evolution has guided what we understand of the the natural Earth. Um, from mm-hmm. your perspective, that I've always appreciated, um, you see that there is perhaps a larger way to look at the creation account, and it calls for wisdom. So give us your uh, perspective in general. Yeah, so the key th- question that we wanted to focus on was, when did they live? Now, if you take a very, very literal reading in Genesis, you might say 6,000 years ago in the recent past, right? And you'd believe that they were de novo created out of the dust uh, and out of a rib, and that we all descend from them. And it turns out that that's entirely consistent with what we know from evolutionary science, and that's surprising, right? <laughs> The only um, way it really presses on that understanding of Adam and Eve is by suggesting, as a lot of Christians have wondered long before evolution, that you know maybe uh, there were people outside the garden with whom they eventually interbred. Now, now that raises a lot of questions and about how do we think about them because those people really seem a lot like us. So were they human in a scriptural or theological sense? And that's actually why this question about um, about when Adam and Eve lived gets really interesting. Um, so it's possible from just a set point of view that they were as recent as 6,000 years ago. But some Christians are going to be pushed to think about them farther in the ancient past. But it's not because of genetics, but rather just what we see in the archaeological record and what really looks like the evidence of human-like behavior in the past. And so what I would and I, you know, I've been actually in a lot of conversation with uh, William Lane Craig about this specifically. That's a view that he would take. Yeah. And we're in the middle of writing a book about that. What's interesting about it is it comes down to a couple, just a couple early decisions that you make in how you read Scripture. One is, well, well, while we all agree that Adam and Eve were in the image of God, one question that arises is, was, uh, were they the first people ever in the image of God? And not every Christian agrees with that. Some, some people think that Adam and Eve were the first people in the image of God. Some people don't. Um, you know, Bill Craig is an example of a Christian who really thinks that Adam and Eve were the first in the image of God. I mean, maybe there were intelligent aliens somewhere else in the image of God, um, but, but Adam and Eve were the first. That's the first, that's the first step. Then the next step that, that gets raised is, well, okay, if they were the first, well, what exactly is the image of God? And the image of God is an interesting idea, right? Uh, people are pretty passionate about it. People care about it. But what most people don't know is that there's actually a great deal of disagreement about what exactly the image of God is, right? Hmm. Yeah, yeah. And I think part what of it is the, because wait, if you jo- go- Hold on. Josh, let me interrupt you. So different uh, denominations have different perspectives on what image of God means, what different theologians or what? Yeah, it's different theologians, different, um, and also different professionals. So exegetes, or people who mm-hmm. uh, interpret scripture, they all tend to have one particular view or an arrange in a particular spot, which is very different than theologians, it turns out. 
Um, so that's like a, a really big debate actually within, you know, the theological world is between the theologians and the exegetes. But then also certain denominations like Catholics, for example, take a very specific view of the image of God that connects it to the idea of a rational soul. Um, mm. And different, uh, just different uh, people have a different sense of it. If you, if you talk to many people, they'll tell you that it, it means anyone who has a human worth and dignity. Uh, even though that doesn't actually appear in Scripture as as what as what the image of God is, right? So, and I, and I think that's actually gets to a key issue going on here. The image of God is a very powerful concept, and we see it in Scripture, but there's not very many passages in Scripture that actually explain to us that reference it at all, let alone explain to us what it is. And so, historically, it's really become deep contemplation into what it means to be human in theology. And that's really a beautiful part of it. And there's been three major camps, right? So some people think it's you'd locate the image of God in the individual's attributes. Uh, so that, that'd be like the Catholic position where you'd really emphasize uh, like rational capacity, like a certain type of way of thinking that's different than animals and it gets tied okay. to human uniqueness. So that's, that's one way. Another way, which is, this is what the exegetes and people interpret scripture have really been convinced for several reasons based on reading Genesis that but no, 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 that's not actually what the image of God is. It actually is instead a special calling that God gives Adam and Eve that no one else has, a calling to the uh, good dominion over the earth. And you can see that in Genesis 1.26. And then other uh, theologians, uh, a lot of Lutherans, but Karl Barth is most known for this, he would locate it not in, uh, not in our individual attributes, not in our actions in the world as a vocation, but rather in our relationships with God and with one another. So it's not even really something that we individually bear. It's born uh, in our relationships with another that it becomes visible. So those are three large um, categorizations, but there's very um, uh, intense debate and arguments even within these camps about what these things precisely are. So now if you come away, though, with thinking that the image of God is unique to Adam and Eve's lineage, and it's uniquely associated with uh, behavior that we only think is human. Like if someone looks like a human and, and you can have a conversation and talk with them, well, then they're in the image of God. And then also, um, the, and also Adam and Eve are the first in the image of God. That means that Adam and Eve couldn't have been just 10,000 years ago, because if they were that early, we'd have to make sense of all these people in the past that, uh, that, that, that were there before them that really look human-like. So, so humanness, I think, really becomes a key thing. And this isn't an old debate. Actually, it started long before Darwin, and I think this is important. It starts with the question of, um, of the geographic spread of humans across the Earth, because people found the New World, America, and they couldn't imagine how in just a few thousand years people got all the way over there across the globe, right? right, right. <laughs> um, but then the really interesting piece of it, too, was the discovery of Neanderthals. So... Um, in er the early 1800s, uh, the, in a mine, they discovered a skull cap of something that people couldn't really figure out. And then actually about 10 years or so before Darwin wrote Origin of the Species, and he didn't really write about human evolution at all. That was uh, Huxley who ended up writing about that next. But, but really at that point, then people kind of realized, oh, this is something strange. It's actually very, very human-like, but it's not quite human as I looked at that skull cap. And then they found more pieces and people came to realize, oh, there was a different sort of human in the past. And that was very puzzling. And then, you know, right now it's, it remains an open question whether or not Neanderthals were in the image of God. 
And it also remains an open question in theology whether or not uh, Neanderthals descend from Adam and Eve or not. And that's really interesting, isn't it? It surely is, yeah. We're talking with Dr. Joshua Swamidas. His most recent work is called The Genealogical Adam and Eve, The Surprising Science of Universal Ancestry. So, Dr. Swamidas, you, you said earlier on in the conversation we were talking about Adam and Eve that Adam and Eve could have been in the garden, but there could have been people outside of the garden as well? Well, I, I think so. I mean, that's definitely something that a lot of Christians have wondered about for hundreds of years, even before, once again, Darwin wrote Origin of the Species, even before people contemplating uh, contemplating uh, evolution, people were wondering about space and scripture for uh, for human-like people in the distant past. And even now we wonder about uh, human-like people on other planets, intelligent aliens. And we know that, you know, that would be a bit surprising if we found them. But it wouldn't overturn anything in scripture because scripture isn't really about them. It's about, right. It's about us, right? <laughs> And so, oh. and because of that physical distance, we know that kind of gives a bit of safety. In the same way, if you put temporal distance between us, there's the, the scripture can still be a universal document speaking to everyone on earth. And yet there could be people that are just outside the view of scripture, not outside the view of God, but just outside the view of his revelation to us. But there has to be, Josh, according to the scripture, some unique component of connection between Adam and Eve and the rest of the human race because of the introduction of sin, right? And we know that that Jesus is called the second Adam, right? So the first Adam was unable to fulfill his role without sin, and Jesus was. Yeah, so once again, I think these are open questions. I do propose one approach to it, is I think that uh, we could say that, that Adam was the first and Jesus is the second in the sense that they were both sent with a purpose to really reorient everyone's relationship with death. Um, You know, when Jesus came, we were all dying. We all died. Right. And now we know that God can raise us back from the dead and that we know that we all will raise again from the dead. Right. Isn't that, isn't that an incredible thing that he did? He actually conquered death and death is still there, but it's lost its sting. Um, one possibility is that, that that was actually Adam's purpose, too, that there were people outside the garden that were subject to death, but God wanted to create a better way, a way in which they could be in a death-free garden that looks like revelations with the tree of life uh, across, uh, I mean, just spread across every single river, and we have a death-free and morally perfect existence. But then, uh, but then he fell. So that's actually the way death enters the world. Um, because it enters into the into his lineage in a way that it wouldn't have before, and we're all that the the people of Adam and Eve, right? And then he also failed to uh, perfect the world that God created. Yeah. So that's one way to think about it. That's not the only way, of course. Dr. Joshua Swamidas. Joshua, uh, we've just got a minute or so left. I, I often wonder about this. You're so fascinating to both Kath and myself. But a- as you join us, I wonder, you know, there you are in St. Louis. You're a medical doctor. You've got to also got a, a Ph.D. You're obviously a learned man. When you speak to your contemporaries about Adam and Eve, about original sin, about Jesus Christ, people who are not necessarily believers, how is that received in, within your circle? I think that, uh, for the most part, it's received with curiosity. And I think that that's a good thing, right? Yes. <laughs> people, 
and I think the reason why is not because they've never met a Christian before, but they probably uh, not known that there was a Christian that, that that was like them and in their world, and that spoke in a world in a way that made sense to them about these things. And I, and I don't try and push uh, things uh, onto people. Um, I'm not trying to argue that Adam and Eve are real because I don't think the evidence forces it that way, I'm telling them is even explaining from their values that our goal here is really just to be honest with the public about this. Even if you don't think Adam and Eve are real, we just seem to be honest about what the evidence actually does and doesn't rule out. And it's okay if there's space for it. Um, That's actually a good thing. It's a good thing for science and it's a good thing for you. And one question I'll come back from this often is, well, then why do you actually put all this effort into making space for this if you don't even have any positive evidence for it? Like, and what's really behind this is they're trying to figure out why it is the scientists and we're really evidentially driven. I follow Jesus. And, you know, I'll, I'll point that and say, well, like, I don't, I don't follow Jesus because of Adam. I follow Jesus because of what I've seen that convinced me that he rose from the dead. Yes, I'm into that. Dr. Joshua Swami Das, The Genealogical Adam and Eve, The Surprising Science of Universal Ancestry. Joshua, always a pleasure. Thanks so much for your time here today. Thanks a lot. Talk to you later. We need to step away for just a few minutes. Um, Hey, a a mainstay uh, in Pittsburgh social life, the 20th Century Club, which a gathering spot for women of all ages, was sold recently to the University of Pittsburgh. We'll talk about that in just a few minutes. Stick around. This is a special notice to consumers who owe back taxes to the IRS. Due to the financial hardship consumers are facing during the decline in the U.S. economy, the IRS has made it easier to settle delinquent tax problems. You may qualify for a program that could settle your delinquent tax problems and in some cases save you thousands of dollars. For free information and to see if you qualify, call Community Tax at 800-273-0135. 800-273-0135. 800-273-0135. We're all thinking a lot more about staying safe these days. Windows R Us Pittsburgh is no different. When it comes to working around your home, Windows R Us remains committed to the safety of you and your family. For roofs, gutters, and downspouts, siding, and of course, windows, Windows R Us Pittsburgh can answer the call. With over 50 years of home remodeling experience, Windows R Us has earned its reputation as the area's premier exterior replacement company and all work will be done in strict compliance with the government's social distancing guidelines. If you've had damage, you may be eligible for a free repair or replacement. Visit windowsarouspittsburgh.com for a free inspection from one of the highly trained appraisers. You'll love their no-pressure approach, no hidden fees, and one of the fastest turnaround times in the industry from a company that will never skip town when it comes to honoring their warranty. Why pay double? Trust the area's premier exterior replacement company, WindowsRUsPittsburgh.com. That's WindowsRUsPittsburgh.com. If you are a caregiver for a family member or loved one, this is an important message. Excel Home Care will pay you to take care of your family member or loved one. Yes, you heard right. You can actually get paid to provide care for those you love. To learn more, contact Excel Home Care today and get started right now. Care and quality when you need it. XL Home Care, 412-212-8950. 
412-212-8950. XL Home Care, a help at home company. Know where you can find all your favorite Skechers shoes in one place? Skechers.com. Because at Skechers.com, we have miles and miles of styles of the most comfortable shoes on the planet. We have boys and girls shoes that sparkle and light up. Skechers.com has work shoes, slip-ons, sports shoes, casual shoes, canvas shoes, go walk, go run. The styles are endless. And on Skechers.com, you can find all the fits you need. Plus, so many shoes with Skechers exclusive air-cooled memory foam. So find all the styles, all the fits, and all the comfort. Only at Skechers.com. I get this warm feeling every single time we have special needs patients in our office. Their needs are not that different from anybody else. Spending the time with that patient is very rewarding to me. Exceptional Dentistry meets compassionate care at StockFamilyDentistry.com. 101.5 WORDFM Pittsburgh. On your smart speaker by saying, Play the word Pittsburgh. And on your phone via the Word FM mobile app, iHeart, TuneIn, and at Radio.com. Tonight, some clouds, warm and humid, with a thunderstorm late and a low 66. Tomorrow, a couple of thunderstorms around, some severe, mainly later. Humid with considerable cloudiness. Thunderstorms can bring damaging winds with a high 78. Saturday, sun and clouds with a high 71. With your AccuWeather forecast, I'm Gregory Patrick. Well, if you ever spent any time in uh, Oakland, it is filled with such incredibly beautiful buildings. Mm -hmm. And one of the prettiest of the pretty is something called the 20th Century Club, which was built in 1911 and then almost doubled in size in 1930. Now, the 20th Century Club is a women's only club that goes back to 1894. But because of dwindling membership over the years, the 20th Century Club was sold just a couple of weeks ago. News made the news today. The University of Pittsburgh has bought the club for $4.9 million. And uh, the 20th Century Club members, uh, however many there are, said they're going to look for a new location and still soldier on. But, Kath, I I know that uh, you've got some connection to this. I went to more than several weddings at the 20th Century Club, and I love the building. Oh, my gosh. If there was ever a building in Pittsburgh that if I was independently wealthy, I would have bought, it's that one. I just have such an emotional connection to it. You know, I I went to Pitt, and so, you know, I – I spent a lot of time there doing, you know, women's stuff, you know, different organizations on campus. Um, But then my husband being a musician, he played there all the time. Mm -hmm. You know, it wasn't just a women's club after a while. And so he would play a lot. They had a really nice bar that a really nice patio on the side. Like you, I went to a bunch of weddings there. I just, there was something about the building that I just loved. It's large, but all the rooms feel intimate. Right, exactly. And they have a wonderfully classic appeal to them. You yeah. feel like you're in a building that's solid. You feel like you are in a building that was put together by people who cared and who loved beauty. And it feels like a really big house yeah. to me. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. Yeah, because the rooms are not overwhelming, right? Mm-hmm. They're like no. sitting rooms or libraries or, you know, it just, it was a really nice mix. And you could see the love that was put into it. it I mean, look, just was how many years ago the PAA was sold, yep. which was sort of a, a you know a club for it was a men's club, right? And, and this the, was the, uh, this was developed because women couldn't go to the PAA, right? The ladies' version of the PAA, yeah. But really sorry to see it go. Of course, you know, 
I mean, say what you will about the University of Pittsburgh. They're, they're one of the largest employers here in the course in the right. city. But boy, man, they are jumping on real estate properties in one of the hot sections of the city of Pittsburgh. Oakland is just, even in the midst of this pandemic, Oakland's on fire with real estate sales. Yeah. Here's the thing. My, my fear, I, I, of course, I hope that the, that the uh, university preserves it well. I mean, the university has preserved Heinz Chapel. Yeah, they've done a good job. Um, there are beautiful things about the Cathedral of Learning, like the nationality rooms and like the commons room. Um, there are a lot of things about the student union that are beautiful, the old Shenley Hotel. Um, but it's just not, it's not, I don't think it can be the same because what gave the 20th century club its vibe was the fact that there were individuals that were committed to it and they had right. their own money in the game and it was their own place. And so right. I think that's why the homey feeling was always present. And that's not going to happen if it's owned by an institution. No, it's not. Uh, not that long ago, there was an auction apparently where they sold off a lot of the furnishings, um, you know, uh, the China and the silverware and whatnot. And so you could have owned yourself a little piece of the 20th century. Oh, I wish club, I would have known that. Yeah. Anyway, that's uh, that's life in the big city, isn't it? Nothing lasts yeah. forever, especially here yeah. in, the, in the city of Pittsburgh. Okay, take a break. Come back. Um, you've been wondering about COVID here from a, a Pittsburgh, Western Pennsylvania perspective. Dr. Rick Zimmerman has joined us on a weekly basis for, for many a week. We're going to talk about that and what we can expect about reopening and illness amongst us. 101.5 WORD. In touch with Dr. Charles Stanley. Now, the Word of God is His written revelation of His message to mankind. And the primary way in which God speaks to us is through His Word. Well, how is He going to speak to us through His Word? Only if I am willing to spend time meditating upon the Word. In Touch with Dr. Charles Stanley, helping you grow in Christ every day. Tomorrow morning at 8.30 on 101.5 WORD. You've all helped build MyPillow into the amazing company that it is today. Now, Mike Lindell, the inventor and CEO of MyPillow, wants to give back to my listeners. You can get great discounts on all MyPillow products if you go to MyPillow.com right now and click on the radio listener specials. You're going to see some amazing offers. Right now, MyPillow is offering an exclusive radio special. Today, we're offering buy one, get one free on a variety of amazing products, including the Supima MyPillows, MyPillow Tiles, Roll and Go Anywhere Pillows, Duvet Covers, Giza Pillowcase, Bolster Pillows, and Neck Pillows. Plus, if you buy Mike Lindell's book, What Are the Odds? From Crack Addict to CEO, you'll get free shipping and a $25 gift card. Just go to MyPillow.com, enter promo code WORD, or call 800-391-0954. Be sure to use promo code WORD. MyPillow is answering the call for more face masks as the country continues to deal with a global coronavirus pandemic. They'll be making face masks for hospitals across the country. The coronavirus pandemic has caused a lot of chaos lately. But something good that's come from it all is that Americans are waking up to the fact that we make too many things overseas and are reliant on China and other nations for the products that we need most. Enough is enough. Authentically American is a veteran-owned, patriotic, made-in-USA apparel company. They produce the highest quality apparel you can find, and it's all American-made. While other companies are waiting for their supplies to come in from Asia, Authentically American is still going strong, putting our neighbors to work every day. They also give 10% of every purchase to charities that support our veterans and their families. Use code SALEMPITTSBURGH to get 10% off your entire purchase. Don't spend one more dime on products made overseas. If every American spent an extra $3.33 on U.S.-made goods, it would create almost 10,000 new jobs in this country. Shop at AuthenticallyAmerican.us and use promo code SALEMPITTSBURGH to take 10% off your entire purchase. That's promo code SALEMPITTSBURGH. 
Where is yours made? You know, spring cleaning doesn't just mean the deep clean you do around the house once a year. You may want to do some tidying up for your business's digital marketing, and Salem Surround can help. We give you all the right tools to surround your target audience and turn website visitors into website leads. Contact Salem Surround for a free evaluation of your digital presence and learn how to get your advertising message in front of today's consumers. Learn more at surroundpittsburgh.com. Surroundpittsburgh.com. Connecting you with new customers. COVID-19, at least in western Pennsylvania, it feels as though the uh, curve has been flattened. And, of course, when you look at New York City or other hotspots around the country, uh, boy, uh, it feels as though, and speaking, obviously, I'm not a medical doctor, we've dodged the bullet in many ways. That's why we're always excited to have Dr. Rick Zimmerman with us. He sort of sifts through all the sand and gives us a real clear picture of where we are in uh, Pittsburgh and western Pennsylvania. Dr. Rick Zimmerman has over 200 publications on vaccines and vaccine-preventable diseases. He's led multiple federal-funded research projects on vaccines. Dr. Zimmerman has practiced part-time as well in the inner city of Pittsburgh for over 25 years at East Liberty Family Healthcare Center. Rick, Dr. Zimmerman, welcome back to the show. Well, hey, thanks so much. And uh, you mentioned uh, working in the inner city, and I wanted to uh, take this time just to mention, I know, I imagine a number of your listeners have lost their health care coverage, and there are a network of federally qualified health centers in the region that will accept people on a sliding scale um, of income, regardless of ability to pay. Um, so that's medical care, and some of them have access to the federal 340B program that provides provides vaccines, excuse me, provides medicines at a drastic discount um, at the federal purchase price. So that's a resource that some of your listeners might really benefit from if they've lost Thank their you. health coverage. Very I'd good. also mention the county is providing free COVID testing at some of those same health centers. So hmm. you can go to the county website, and if you think you have COVID and want to be tested, they have a saliva test, um, and the county's uh, covering the cost. Okay. Oh, that's excellent. Two very good news. Yeah. Rick, we want to talk to you today about two things, about schools and about churches. Since schools are about done for the year, I'm going to push that off and, and uh, talk about churches because a lot of people are eager to get back to church. It's a national conversation about people saying, you know, churches should be declared uh, essential. The president himself said that. A lot of people are thinking that's crazy. A lot of people are saying that's reasonable. Um, what do we need to know? Well, it's a very complicated issue. <laughs> And I don't have yeah. all of the answers to that. If I did, I, I probably wouldn't uh, be a, uh, a physician and researcher in Pittsburgh. I'd have public office. But uh, I think in, in informing the public debate, there needs to be several perspectives. I think the infectious disease epidemiologist perspective, that is my perspective, is one of those voices and a key voice. I I'm a worshiper. I miss church. I want to be back. Um, at the same time, I know that the CDC published recently a report of a small rural church, and they had 92 people come to it. Um, this was before they knew much about COVID. And in that 92 people that attended some church activities, 35 of 92, essentially one-third caught COVID. And of those 92 brothers and sisters, three died. And when we think about what it means to care for one another and um, to love one another, we've got to recognize that 
one perspective is that of these brothers and sisters who lost three of their members in a you know in a group of ninety two that's hard nice. um, so we've got to keep that. I also think that we've learned a lot even since we last talked about that COVID is going to be primarily a respiratory or a close contact transmission. So wide open spaces, large rooms, if you're not really close to people, don't pose the same risk, and particularly outside. There's new data saying that, you know, looking at the surfaces, that if you put a virus on the surfaces, seven minutes of sunlight, you know, real sunlight, not (laughs) necessarily cloudy Pittsburgh sunlight, but real sunlight, seven minutes will inactivate 90% of virus on the surface of stuff. So the the touching is a way you can catch COVID, but it's much more the breathing and who you're close to. So Can churches wear masks? Can we space? Can we create good airflow at things, either holding them outdoors, putting in HEPA filters in our heating and ventilation systems? There are things that are real that can reduce this risk so that we can love one another and hopefully get back together. Well, fabulous. Okay, well, that's really good news, Rick. Um, So um, we were talking to Jerry Boyer during our 4 o'clock hour. He said that he himself went to church last week. He uh, had a mask on. He's going to preach this week. He's not going to wear a mask. He's going to be far away from people. Uh, So it feels as though some common sense and some wisdom we can start to gather, at least in some small numbers. Yes, I think in, in small numbers we can do that. And again, uh, there's an interesting study that came from a Chinese restaurant um, where there was five tables, and at the center table, a person was infected, spread it to four other people at the table, three at the next table, two at another next table, but that was all in the same line of air conditioning. The other half of the restaurant didn't have the same air conditioning unit, no cases. Really? Um, and it was this issue, again, of, you know, there's, you wouldn't have hand-to-hand at another table likely spread in the sure. midst of, you know, you know, unless the servers were terrible in there. Uh, the okay. waitresses or waitress are terrible in their hygiene, which you would have is airflow from one table to another. And that's what I suspect. What is it? Is people were conversing without masks and they spread it. And so I think we have to be very careful about these close, um, you know, tight uh, church basements where we, you know, have the low airflow. And that's an obviously any possible example of things. I think an outside tent, for instance, You've got great airflow. That's what can make the difference. Yes. Okay, so Rick, speaking of masks, how have masks become political? People talk about masks, you know, uh, as though uh, it's virtual signaling. You're wearing a mask and, you know, you're sort of saying something about yourself. I don't believe there's any truth to that. Do you? No, no, I agree with you. Um, I use masks for the common sense of protecting myself from uh, reducing what I inhale, and there is some protection. And as a healthcare worker, of course, I have access to N95s, which really do give you 95% protection. That's the reason they're N95. Um, but also masking if I'm going to the grocery store to protect other people because yes. I am responsible for my neighbor. Very good. Rick, let me ask you about um, a concern people have about masks. What about the um, the contention that if I wear a mask, it's actually unhealthy for me? 
I think it's unlikely to be unhealthy for you as an individual um, unless you are such great lung disease that you're practically needing oxygen or you have class four out of four heart failure, the most severe cases. I can understand there may be some of those people at the extremes, but they're like, you know, I practice medicine. I see mostly sick people. That's like 1% um, of our practice. Even most of my patients don't have that severe of either heart or lung disease. So uh, I think there is a few people, but it's awfully few, um, that it feels a little uncomfortable, yeah, and that if you don't wash them, you could have uh, germs, but if you're going to change your mask, wash them, I don't agree with that. Very good. We're talking with Dr. Rick Zimmerman about COVID-19 in Pittsburgh and Western Pennsylvania. Rick, uh, okay, let's leave churches behind. Now, let's talk a little bit about schools. Obviously, for the most part, uh, schools closed in March across the country. But uh, any advice on schools and reopening at some point? Well, I think this uh, really hits to the questions, what are you going to do with environmental controls? Because I think it's, well, we can do things to teach students about some hygiene. A lot of this is, what are we going to do environmentally? Are we going to start having uh, only half the students go at a time? And I actually would be a proponent for that. Space out desks. Every other desk is used or blocked off so that we put space Um, When you do have uh, particularly younger children who don't have the same sense of hygiene, you are going to see COVID spread. Um, Of course, that's a lower risk group, but they can take it home to people. And so part of this gets to is how much risk are you going to being willing to tolerate? If you're willing to take no risk, um, then you probably can't reopen. If you're don't care about the risk level, and you can do very little, but uh, except maybe doing the environmental things like putting HEPA filters in the, um, you know, these great fine filters in the heating and the air conditioning systems. I think most schools are going to do something in between. They're going to do some space. They're going to take some risk because it's also risky not to educate students, and not everybody has the ability to learn online. Not everybody learns well online, so I think we're going to a mixture, and I think that's reasonable to have the students go. We try to space them out. We try to do the environmental controls, um, but we do need to continue our education. It's either that or we continue lockdown. Right. Rick, isn't school such a challenging environment to even think about um, you know, being able to contain something like that or prevent it? I mean, I don't think seventh graders are known for their hand hygiene, um, and of course, education can fit into that, but it's just a, it would be a worry, right? Just thinking about kids, whether they're in seventh grade or third grade or 12th grade, um, it's a confined atmosphere. And I can imagine every principal and superintendent is trying to figure out how they run school with, I mean, the reason they have classrooms the size that they are is because they have students that are filling them up. Yeah, and I think it's it's a horrible situation where if we don't have the physical plants and you're not going to be able to create the physical plants to create the distance to be right. highly safe. So I think, yeah, we have to think about students going half time at home learning, half time at school, other arrangements. I was a wrestler in high school. You just can't do wrestling safely here. You can't wear a mask <laughs> okay. wrestling. 
And, you know, those kind of clothes, you probably can't do, I like to square dance, can't do square dancing unless you're going to wear a mask, probably safely. And even then, there's an awful lot of hand-to-hand uh, touching that it, it's so close and personal. I think it would be very difficult to do those kind of activities. So I think those have to go, even though that was my sport. I see. Rick, uh, we've got just a minute or so left, but before you leave us, uh, we were talking a little earlier in the day uh, about the possibility of Allegheny County and surrounding counties at some point in the very near future going full green. What's, uh, what's your ascertainment from that? I think we have to be careful. Hospitalizations have risen recently. That's mostly due to the long-term care facilities and some of them being infected, but uh, whenever, while the percentage positives continue to decrease and the last ones that I've seen from the county are about 4%, which is less than half where we started. I, there is an increase in hospitalizations. I think we have to be pretty careful um, um, to see what happens with the hospitalizations. I hope that they will go back down. They haven't been huge. They've been manageable, but there has been a little blip. That's Rick Zimmerman. Over 200 publications on vaccines. Practice at the East Liberty Family Health Care Center. We're late for a break. We'll be back. Thank you, Dr. Zimmerman. The stock market is tanking. Unemployment will likely reach an all-time high. Experts are saying the worst is yet to come, but what we need now is a solution. We have Colin Plume, president of Noble Gold, for some advice. What can Americans do now to prepare for a financially secure future? It's time to invest in assets that are sure to maintain value through any economic disaster, such as gold, silver, and other precious metals. Holding shares in companies that might not be there next year doesn't make any sense to me. And the markets are made up of hundreds of companies just like this. Take a look at the Dow Jones from 25 years ago. There are less than a handful of companies that have survived the test of time, such as Kodak and Westinghouse. But the precious metals market is not only surviving, it's thriving. That's encouraging, Colin. But how do our listeners, especially ones without financial savvy, explore the best strategies for their specific needs? And do we even have gold left? I heard there's a shortage. We have helped thousands secure their investment and ready to help more. Just visit noblegoldinvestments.com. That's noblegoldinvestments.com. That's noblegoldinvestments.com. Wow, how the world has changed in just a few short weeks. If there is one thing COVID-19 has taught us, is good hygiene. Wash your hands more often and wipe down frequently touched surfaces. Unfortunately, we also face another problem that has been around us since, well, time itself. Rodents. G'day, I'm Scott from Plug-In Pest Free. Rodents usually carry diseases with them we do not want around us. Treating the problem the old-fashioned way with baits and traps only causes the problem to continue. Baits invite rodents in when you really should be trying to keep them out. So how do we keep them out? With Plug-In Pest Free, an electromagnetic device that utilizes the electrical wiring in your home to set up a no-go zone. Now that's fair income. Look us up today at gopestfree.com. Use promo code PEST20 for 20% off. That's gopestfree.com. Promo code PEST20. Don't spray and regret. Plug in and forget. Greater Pittsburgh Plumbing, Heating, and Cooling, a partner you can trust in times of need, featuring 24-hour emergency service. From plumbing, heating, cooling, and trenchless sewer repairs, Greater Pittsburgh Plumbing, Heating, and Cooling has been a trusted name for over 35 years when it comes to helping you solve household problems and concerns. Visit greaterpghplumbing.com or call 412-223-2560. 
Greater Pittsburgh Plumbing, Heating, and Cooling at greaterpghplumbing.com. Right now, there are young people across the world facing a tough choice. Continue their dream of education or drop out to help their family put food on the table. You can help change their future in a single moment. See how far your support can go at unbound.org. Washington County parents, you have a choice in your child's education. For nearly 40 years, Central Christian Academy in Houston is where pre-K through 8th grade students receive the comprehensive education they need to become top of the class. Learn more at ccaschool.com. Well, happy birthday is in order for the Mon Incline. It uh, opened May 28th, get this, 1870. Wow. So today the Mon Incline is 150 years old. The uh, fair when it opened was six cents. Uh, right now, the round trip fare on the Mon Incline is about $5.75. Well, that's a significant increase mm-hmm. over 150 um, years. Passenger capacity in each car of 23 and a travel top speed of six miles per hour. Yeah. The uh, incline, the Mon Incline, was originally steam powered, converted to electricity in 1935. Nickel? I love a funicular. A funicular, yes. Yep. Uh, mm-hmm. Up and down she goes. I love it. I absolutely love it. Well, happy birthday, Mon Incline. Yeah, I wonder yeah. if anybody's riding the Mon Incline. I bet that'd be too close to be with I would imagine. Space with well, somebody. I don't know. I mean, the Port Authority owns the Incline, so let's go take a ride. All right? Put your mask on. The Ride Home with John and Kathy, a production of Salem Media Group.